You're listening to HSBC Talks Business. Learn how businesses like yours are leveraging a wide range of banking solutions to maximize their success and how HSBC is helping them. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Inspiring Progressive Business, a podcast series for SMEs. Join us for insights from inspirational business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts on key topics of importance to your business. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Andrew Skinner, Country Head of Global Trade and Receivables Finance at HSBC Bank Canada. I'll be your moderator for today's discussion, and we've got an amazing set of speakers today who have a wealth of knowledge who are directly connected to this important topic. I'm sure you'll agree the last couple of years have been a challenging environment for both us personally and professionally. We've seen tremendous resilience in our customers and our teams to successfully navigate the risks and opportunities and working capital challenges that we've faced. And just personally, growing up in a dry agricultural region of Western New South Wales, Australia, and as a father of four and recent grandfather, I find myself personally and very professionally engaged in all aspects of our green topic. And when we talk green, we're talking environment, we're talking social and we're talking governance, ESG. I'm delighted that HSBC is committed to supporting and facilitating our staff and with our own HSBC business globally and our customers to achieve green and sustainability goals. I believe HSBC is uniquely placed in this area, not just to support our very large institutional customers and governments, but also our many small to medium enterprises who are critical to the economy's success and the broader ecosystem we all operate under. So on that note, I'm delighted to welcome our panellists today. Angie, who's head of our sustainable finance team for our commercial bank here at HSBC Bank Canada. Francois, who's president of Opsun Systems. And now we'll go over to Francois. Francois, briefly tell us about Opsun and what you do and how sustainability plays a part. Thank you, Andrew. So Opsun System is the leader of high efficiency solar mounting system. Our solution is allowing to generate more energy from bifacial photovoltaic panels. Through an innovative approach backed by more than 15 years of research and development, we have developed structure that maximize the energy generation by solar panel. With these extra energy, you are able to increase your profitability on your project. So we are recognized also as one of the safest and more reliable solar racking system in America. We are presently having a very fast growth following the exponential pace of development of solar project in, in USA. So I'm personally the president of the company. I deal mostly with the operation and financial activity and the strategy development. Okay, thank you, Francois. And I've got to say a great LinkedIn post you did with us recently as well that I think showcases and uh, is a great photograph and really you know, shows a major contract that you've completed. So for those interested, I'm sure they can find you. Um, and uh, now over to Angie, could you please uh, briefly tell us about your role at HSBC and how you support businesses? Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. So I'm the head of sustainable finance for the commercial bank here in Canada, and HSBC has a long-standing commitment to sustainability. Given our European headquarters, uh, we've been very close to the sustainable finance proposition as a whole over its evolution, really over the last 10 to 15 years, which is, is more of a novel development within the Americas. So it's great to be able to, to learn from our global colleagues as we bring these solutions to customers here in Canada. 
We have a number of commitments as an institution, including a commitment within our own operations to achieve net zero by 2030. So for those more sort of technical in the room, looking at our scope one and two emissions, and then a far more ambitious target around our scope three emissions, which is the, the financed emissions within our portfolio of all of our customers globally and to achieve net zero there by 2050. In support of, of helping our customers transition to net zero for 2050, uh, we've aspirationally committed to providing a trillion dollars US uh, in sustainable finance by 2030. And I have the great pleasure of, uh, of helping Canadian corporate customers access their fair share of, of that trillion dollars here in Canada. Part of that is uh, through direct engagement with customers, as well as through uh, education of our 200 relationship managers and all of our uh, business development managers across trade and cash management and leasing uh, to ensure that we are bringing the most holistic uh, sustainability conversations to all of our clients. We've really seen global trends where sustainability is penetrating beyond those large institutional customers. And so really excited for the conversation today about how ESG fits for small and medium enterprises. You know, that they form over 98% of the Canadian economy. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good way to start, actually, just to tease that out a little bit further. And if we could just, you know, we, we hear, we've obviously seen the media about governments issuing bonds and investors, and we, we see it when we shop now, there's, you know, there's choices we can make. But can you just explain a little bit more about that point around why is sustainability crucial for small and medium-sized enterprises and why now? Absolutely. So when we look at the data, I mean, HSBC completed a report last year, and there's sort of an estimated figure that to achieve net zero by 2050, it will cost $100 trillion within the global economy. And our research knows that 50 trillion, so half of those funds will be needed by SMEs globally, which really starts to shift the thinking of, of how sustainable finance has been applied historically. We're also seeing again from our leveraging our global kind of footprint and what we're hearing from colleagues, the UK has recently uh, legislated a requirement for businesses with turnover greater than 25 million pounds to be reporting scope one and two emissions over graduated timeline, but, but the furthest date out is 2024. And so it's a really clear example that this isn't just a disclosure requirement for those largest publicly traded names, and it really is penetrating all the way through the economy. In addition, we're hearing from our small and medium-sized business clients that there are a, a wide variety of stakeholders that are also asking them for greater information about their ESG performance and strategy. So whether it's customers that have municipal contracts or contracts with larger corporates and they're starting to see ESG-specific questions in RFPs, a lot of our customers of all sizes are hearing more from their employees who want to understand the values alignment between themselves and the institution or, or organization that they're working for. And finally, I think a really interesting area for small and mid-sized businesses, particularly when we look at the generational profile of business owners in Canada, is the interest from the private equity community. And so there's a whole conversation right now about exit risk and buyer risk for companies that haven't considered ESG considerations, both on the risk mitigation side, but also on the opportunity side in terms of tangible valuation when they're looking to exit. And we have all sorts of conversations with our, our private equity relationships who are really telling us that LPs are asking very specific questions now around uh, portfolio performance, whether it's on emissions or in some of those social categories, as you've alluded to, whether it's pay equity or, or diversity at the board level. So it's uh, unsurprisingly, like many things that we've seen in sustainability, those trends that have started at the largest uh, end of the market are really working their way through the entire economy, which is fabulous because frankly, that is what we need to ensure that we're able to address climate change and, and get to a low carbon future. 
Yeah, it's a great point. And ultimately, it's all interconnected, isn't it? So they're smaller customers are quite often supplying the larger ones, etc. So we're certainly encouraged by the take up in Canada. It's been very encouraging to see our customers very interested and being more involved. And, and I think, Francois, that's where it'd be great to hear your view about what the risk is for smaller and medium enterprise businesses, uh, size businesses, in becoming more sustainable. And on the flip side, if they don't become more sustainable, just interested in your thoughts as a real business owner. So to work with large business group, there are sometimes many requirements that small and medium enterprise need to comply to obtain contract or qualify as a supplier. Some of them now are now requiring green standard or their practices such as ISO 14,000, LED, net zero, reduce your carbon emission. There's also a big trend in these large companies, especially in the tech world, where they work to be either net zero and they add a lot of sustainable practices to attract their customer. The market's consumer and businesses are also looking more and more for products that are built or support by sustainable philosophy or practices. So we also know that the main risk is uh, climate change and all the bad effect it could have on, on the world and the businesses. If we want to give a future to our mother earth, we need to invest massively in renewable energy, sustainable company, and in companies that provide sustainable products to reverse the pace of climate change. Climate change impact on the economy could be disastrous and very costly to different industries if we do nothing. So the cost associated to become sustainable is small compared to what could be the outcome of the economy if we do nothing. Absolutely. So that's a great summary. And we certainly, I think, agree with all those points. And uh, I think, uh, Francois, we'd like to come back to you on that. You talked a bit earlier about complying with contracts and just really interested to understand how being sustainable has helped you with attracting talent and also how with retaining it as well, because we hear a lot about you know, the unemployment rate and inflation and other issues around hiring practices, I guess, is a very interesting topic at the moment. So just interested in your thoughts. Yeah, you're right. So we know right now in most parts of the world that hiring talent or recruiting labor is more and more challenging. So Almost all business owners I know have staff problems or need more employees. However, as a company that provides sustainable product, because we have good business practices and a good philosophy, it is way more easy for us to recruit at a competitive salary. The people that I hired from our warehouse uh, worker to engineer or account manager in the sales department, everyone feels that they do their part for the world with their day-to-day work by reducing carbon emission massively. For every aspect that my staff improve the company, the more sustainable our product become because we are becoming more efficient and also re- reducing our operating cost. Each individual that I hired may have their own green reason to come to work for us. But from my experience, I can tell you when a job open, especially recently, we always find very good quality, skilled people with a very good attitude to our Very good. And you live in a fabulous spot, so that might help as well. <laughs> but uh, now that's great. And I think, Angie, we've talked a bit about you know, the sustainable journey, but how important are partnerships in that journey? And you know, what should businesses look for in new partners and suppliers? 
It's a really great question. I think one of the exciting things about working in sustainability is, is genuinely how collaborative the space is. I think we have a strong recognition that this is a global problem. It expands beyond our professional lives into our personal. And, and there are a lot of folks with a lot of very personal motivations around why they're, they're showing up on this topic. And so I think collaborations and partnerships are, are key. And some pieces that I would really encourage businesses to think about is setting their strategy in advance of looking for partnerships and consulting those trusted relationships that are already established. And I think a lot of executives sharing best practices around how did you go about identifying the, the most material ESG factors within your business? And so having those broad-based conversations, I think engaging with a lot of the thought leadership that's out there right now uh, on the key topics, and then stepping back and thinking about, the, the word I use is, is deliberate, the, the materiality. And so that's a common phrase you hear within sustainability, because there are so many considerations when you think about environmental, social, and governance, there's no shortage of metrics that you can examine and measure. And so it's important that businesses are really tackling those areas where they're able to have the greatest impact. And then working with their partners to, I think exactly as Lindsay has called out, get the data. You can't make decisions if you don't understand what your baseline is. And, and the, uh, I think the fear that some folks have around quantifying the baseline and, and being behind the sector really holds some companies back. But if you understand where your current position is, then you can improve it. And so really getting those partnerships in place that will help you measure the data, engaging with, with partners within the community, who can teach you a bit about their expertise within, within the space. I think, again, coming from HSBC, we're experts in sustainable finance. We're here to help you access capital for your transition. Okay, certainly. And I, th I think the, the common question that we all hear a lot around is that, and we'd like to get your brief views on this individually, is there's a common perception that being sustainable means extra cost. And I guess the key question we'd like to unpack briefly is, have you found that to be true? And if so, how should businesses overcome this? And we might start with you, Francois. Climate change impact on the economy could be disastrous and very costly for to different industry if we do nothing. The costs associated to become more sustainable is small compared what could be the outcome on the economy if we do nothing. Sustainable or renewable energy economy creates a lot of more job than any other type of energy in all sector and a lot of people would love to work for the cause too in many areas the energy generated by solar system provide great roi to the investor while providing low energy costs to the cost consumer so it's always a win-win situation and angie did you have any thoughts on that one you know, I'd really pull it apart into sort of two different considerations. There's the operational question on cost, and there's really the strategic question. And so tackling the operational, there are simple examples. The, the sticker price of electric vehicles of, of any sort is always higher than the internal combustion engine. But when you look at total cost of ownership over the lifetime of the asset, the electric option is the most cost effective. And so I think it's really, I mean, what, what SMEs are so great at is taking that long-term view of the business. And so there, there might be that need to invest up front, whether it's electrifying vehicles, installation of solar panels, but being able to drive down operating costs, having more energy efficient real estate fleets, all clearly drives benefits straight to the bottom line. And then on the strategic front, I think it's really important to think about the, uh, the long-term viability 
philosophy of your business model. And kind of the phrase we use internally is we don't want to be the blockbuster of, uh, of tomorrow. And, and I think there, there's a real conversation around social license, the right to operate within your industry, depending on what kind of sector you're in, retail apparel in particular, where frankly, from the consumer end, from the larger uh, wholesaler side of things, there are just certain expectations that are being brought in from the regulatory side as well. Today, it might be a nice to have to have that visibility into your supply chain, but in the coming years, we expect it to be mandated. And so if that groundwork hasn't been done, there will be really meaningful challenges long-term to businesses' cash flow. So I, I would really encourage businesses to think about that operating opportunity uh, in, a, in a very simple way as, as sort of we do with everything else. And then on the strategic side, it's an investment. It's an investment like R&D is, like product innovation is, and really it's about just challenging and reconsidering your business model to make sure that it's resilient, as well as that it's future-proof from a growth opportunity uh, standpoint. Francois, I think the, the audience would be keen to understand, you know, what was the main driver of you creating a sustainable business for you? And, and did you start off sustainable or was there a transition period that you moved into this area? My personal mission was always to build a sustainable world or help it to become one. From school to now, this is one of the main driver why I found the company. So. My goal is to provide sustainable solar product to the community and help our customers to become self-energy sufficient while reducing their carbon emission. Thank you. And I guess uh, you, know, you touched on this, Angie, a little bit earlier, but just interested that the th key themes around ESG in, in supply chains, mm -hmm. you've mentioned things have been changing a bit. If you, if you could just walk us through maybe some of the examples of the things you've seen changing. Absolutely. It's, it's interesting. I think disclosure and data is certainly the, the topic of, of the day, uh, the, the challenges around the robustness of the data that's available, but the practical reality is that it's better to start now. Uh, and so I think that that quantification is definitely a new trend or, or an increasing level of focus, let's, let's call it. But there's really also diversity, again, coming back to that idea of materiality about what's most important within your supply chain and within your business. So we hear about different kinds of RFPs and, and where, uh, where our uh, customers are, are being asked to respond. And some of those RFPs are asking very sort of, uh, straightforward questions around what are your scope one and two emissions so we can roll them into our scope three reporting. But they also get far deeper. And then we know a lot of professional service providers are getting asked questions around the diversity of their workforce, the diversity across seniority, gender pay equity within their own operations. And so I think as businesses, B2B relationships, we're getting a lot more comfortable asking each other questions that weren't getting asked a few years ago. And it's really becoming the expectation to do business. And again, that idea of sort of social license and, and right to operate. So the movement into social, I think the, the broadening and the deepening of the, the appreciation of the idea of materiality, where focus should really be put. And then it's also coming back to, to strategy. And so a lot of our clients are, are being asked, and frankly, we're asking our suppliers what their ESG strategies are. So whatever the baseline data is today, uh, that is what it is. But what's your plan to do better? What are your tangible metrics in place to achieve net zero by 2050 or to be a part of that low carbon economy? And I think best in class businesses are the ones who have identified what's most material, who've built a strategy around it and can demonstrate how they're tangibly executing uh, against that strategy. Thanks, Angie. And I think uh, we might draw to a close. So I just wanted to 
Thank you uh, everyone for participating today. And here at HSBC Canada and around our network, we have a range of sustainable finance solutions to help with your sustainability ambitions. And we encourage you to reach out to your relationship manager or contact us and we'd be certainly happy to discuss and help. And we just wanna wish you all the very best and to have a great rest of your day. And yeah, thanks for joining. All the very best. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today, please visit business.hsbc.com.